Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. Can anything ever separate us from the love of Christ? Does it mean that He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Verse 35 of Romans 8 just continues this incredible Holy Spirit-inspired anointed litany from Paul as he continues to drive home the point that we can stand confident when we stand in Christ. So I read this verse and it just, again, trusting the Holy Spirit. So again, the person and the power podcast, helping us understand the, the personhood of the Holy Spirit, the, the very person, the third person of the Holy Trinity that, that calls for intimacy and relationship and for us to understand that He is co-equal with God, co-equal with the Father, co-equal with the Son. He is co-omniscient, co-omnipresent, co-worthy of worship, co-everything with the Father and the Son. So that personhood is important. And then the power is this daily activity that we should be experiencing with the Holy Spirit living on us, right? You've got God living as a Christian. You've got God living inside of you. The very person who rose Jesus from the dead, according to scriptures. Come on, (laughs) There, there better be some activity, amen? There better be some daily activity from the supernatural realm, if God himself, by the power of the third person, is living in you. (laughs) Come on. So I read this verse, verse 35. A couple of things stand out to me, but this last one, threatened with death, just really resonated. So again, trying to lean in and trying to hear the whisper and the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Again, Person in the Power podcast, helping us understand both the intimacy and the activity, right? I am led to this story, all right? So I wanted to uh, usually wait till the end to share the verse, but wanted to, we'll come back to the verse for sure, but wanted to start with the verse to set up the story, which will set up the verse, all right? So Pam and I, my wife and I, had been married not long um, probably maybe five years, six years. Yeah, something like that. Now, I'm not a Christian yet, but we are in Centerville, Indiana. I'm working as the editor of the Palladium Item in uh, Richmond, Indiana. We live just right outside of Richmond in a small community called Centerville. We go to Centerville United Methodist Church. Pastor Russ Patton, my dear friend, my dear pastor and, and uh, mentor and uh, just, uh, again, just one of my closest brothers in Christ was the pastor there. and so. But I was a Christian atheist. We've talked about this before. I was fooling most everyone, maybe even Pam. Pam's a smart woman, but uh, she had hope and trust that maybe, just maybe, I did have a relationship with God. So 
But I am fooling everyone, trying to fool God, right? I'm going to church with her. So Sunday mornings, for the most part, going to church. I'm a Christian atheist. I didn't not mind. I didn't mind church. I, I, I didn't. I mean, it wasn't like I didn't like church. I, I sometimes spaced out in sermons. Now, I will tell you, even as a Christian atheist, I remember listening to Russ Patton, Pastor Russ, probably for the first time of all the pastors I'd ever really heard. I remember Pastor Russ. I do. And I, he just had, well, I came to find out an anointing about him, right? So we're going to church Sunday mornings. I'm a workaholic. I'm working at the Palladium Item. Ooh, I can't even, I think I was literally was home four to six hours a night. Slept somewhere in between those four to six hours, get up and go back. And, and then Sunday would be my day off, but I would go in after church and work maybe five, six, seven, eight hours, whatever. So, but we would go to church first. And one particular Sunday, I remember, oh, so clearly, this is where it comes to this uh, separated by death. Uh, does that even mean that we, uh, Christ doesn't love us? So that particular Sunday morning at Centerville United Methodist Church was a, I don't know if they called it Missionary Sunday or Mission Sunday, but there was a missionary there. I remember they were talking about um, the dangers and the perils and the risks involved. And I don't remember exactly where they were serving in the world, but I do remember some of the stories and, and it resonated with me. It was interesting. It was fascinating. Uh, not for me. Again, I'm a Christian atheist. Uh, I'm pretending to be a Christian while I live as an atheist. Money was my God. So I was very much, a, um, I, money was my number one God, number one idol, chasing that money, chasing that almighty dollar. And uh, it felt good to have a lot of money. It felt good to not really have any financial needs. So, and I worked my butt off. I did. I worked my, uh, my butt off at, at, at the paper, at the newspaper. So we, we go to church, we listen to this missionary. We, I think, I, likely, I don't know exactly what I did that Sunday, but likely uh, I went to work, came home, and the, basically our prayer life, if you will, was reciting the Lord's Prayer, and I'd fall asleep somewhere, <laughs> you know, in between give us this day and, you know, lead us not. Somewhere, somewhere in there, I guess, uh, I fell asleep usually, but... This night, a little bit different, we were talking about the Sunday morning service. And I, I think I even maybe initiated the conversation because I found the missionary to be fascinating. I found the missionary to be interesting and intriguing. And like, and that life was not for me, but interesting conversation. So we were talking, and at one point, I asked Pam this question. Now, you got to get the context. I like to say C-I-E. Context is everything. Now that primarily applies to Bible study and Bible teaching and preaching. It also applies to all other facets of life. Context is everything. You got to know your context. So it's 11 o'clock, guys. It's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Pam has to work on Monday morning. I have to work on Monday morning. It's 11 o'clock. All right, Sunday night. And I start a conversation <laughs> with this question. 
So, sweetie, let's just say you're a missionary. Just wondering. <laughs> you're a missionary. And we're on the missionary field somehow, and, but you're the missionary because I don't want to be a missionary. But let's say you get caught by rebel forces. Let's say you get caught by unfriendlies. And they capture me as well. And they put a gun to my head. And they say to you, renounce your Jesus or else. <laughs> I remember Pam taking a deep breath. <sighs> kind of like a deep breath that turned into a sigh. <laughs> She'd been reading. And she said, well, sweetheart. I love you. You're my husband. But if you remember, and I did, and I still do, if you remember, when you first asked me on a date back a few years ago in E-Town, Kentucky, when we both worked at the News Enterprise, you came up to my desk on a Thursday night and you said, would you ever consider dating me? And I said, I have to pray about it. Now, this is a story for another podcast. But at the end of the story, she came back from a weekend trip to Chicago. And I asked her, what did God say? Because she said she was going to pray about it. What did God say? Remember, I was not, a, I was, I was barely a, I was pretty, pretty much an atheist at that point. I don't think I was even a Christian atheist at that point. But she said, well, a couple of reasons. She gave me a couple of reasons. But one of those reasons was, You've got to know that when you ask me out to date, I'm, I'm at, we're at the age 25, 26, whatever it was, that probably looking at marriage. So I'm not just kind of looking for a fling. I'm looking for a serious relationship. But also you have to know that I will always love another man more than you. <laughs> now I knew she was talking about Jesus. And I just shrugged it off. I'm thinking, what does that matter to me? Fast forward back to that Sunday night, 11 o'clock conversation, because she said, remember what I said? I said, yes, I did. I, I remember. She said, honey, I love you, but I am not going to renounce Christ. So even if you were threatened with death, there's kind of the tie-in, right, with Romans 8.35. So if you were threatened with death, I could not renounce Jesus just because you were going to be threatened with death. I, I, I just couldn't. <laughs> well, now it's on. Okay, now it's like, it's on. And I'm, I'm going, I'm just, now I'm a little, I'm a little hurt. I'm, I'm a little hurt, thinking, whoa, whoa. I even said, you know, all you have to do is lie. You know, you're, you know, apparently God is a forgiving God. He could forgive you, right? You just lie, save my life, we're good. You kind of silently say, God, forgive me. He forgives you. We're good. She said, no, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> she said, I would still know that I denied my Christ, and I won't do that. I told you, I will always love a man more than you. You'll be the second man I love, but you won't be the first. So I'm all fired up now. I'm saying, okay, 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 okay. Here's, okay, let me give you another scenario. Hmm. I'm going in for the kill, guys. At the time, we had, uh, we had Taylor. Um, I don't think we had 
uh, Merritt yet. So we have three. Uh, we have three kids: Taylor, Merritt, and Olivia. All obviously all uh, uh, grown and and living life in, in Christ uh, all all around the world, actually. Um, but I said so. So you've got we've got Taylor now. So me, you, and Taylor, our baby boy, our firstborn, and they put a gun to him. Now what you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? What you gonna do? Right? I even remember sitting up in bed now. So I'd been laying down. I now sat up in bed because I'm on. I'm, this is on. I'm it, the battle is on. Right? The, it's 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 real, real deal. And I asked her. So now what? I've even turned my body, looking at her. Like well, now what? <sighs> she sighs again. I'm not kidding. She puts her book down. I think she lays it on her chest. She looks at me. She says, sweetheart, that would be an excruciatingly painful moment of my life. I would, it would be horrific. But I trust my God. And as sad and as devastating as it would be, I will know that I will see him in heaven again. But I will not renounce my Jesus. Oh my gosh. I literally threw off my covers and I stood up because now I can't I can't even think straight. I'm thinking, are you absolutely out of your mind? Just, you would not lie for a second. You would not lie for a heartbeat. You wouldn't lie for a moment. Just, for, just to save your, your own son? You are, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. I was mad. Oh my gosh, I was mad. I grabbed my pillow. I was going to show her. I showed my wife. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. Indeed. I grabbed my pillow and I slept very uncomfortably on the couch for about two or three days. Oh yeah, I showed her. <laughs> I had the neck and backache. She slept fine in the bed. And so, but I was mad. I remember being mad at her for several, several days on that. And but I but I will say this, it was a turn, it was a turning point. Oh, it was a turning point in in the relationship that we were um, and we that that I had in that I didn't have in Christ and that I was going to have in Christ uh, just a few short months later, about a year later. But I was just furious with her. I was like, how, how do you even, how do you justify that? And so I, I think of that so clearly when I see this verse, can anything separate us, ever separate us from the love that's in Christ, from the love of Christ? Does it mean, though, that he no longer loves us if, if we have trouble or calamity, disaster, or if we're persecuted, or if we're hungry, or destitute, or if we're in danger, or threatened with death? So again, we'll work our way backwards here a little bit, but threatened with death. So here's Pam, um, and, and I know this passage has a little different meaning than where I'm going to take it for right now, and then we're going to come back to the, the heart of the heart of the heart of it. But Pam being threatened with death, Pam watching her children be threatened with death, would not let that separate her from the love of Christ. See, listen, now listen, listen. She, human, fallible, fallible human, right? Her love, 
of Christ and her love in Christ was so strong that she was not about to let go of it. She was not about to let anything separate her from her Jesus, right? That's what she said. How much more? Somebody say, how much more? Somebody say it again. How much more? Somebody just drag it out a little bit. How much more is the love of Christ for us? See what I'm saying? Here's this woman, strong Christian, incredible witness, beautiful, beautiful inside and out. But again, human, fallible human. But she would not even let the threat of death. Now, again, uh, we were in our comfortable bed and house in Centerville, Indiana. But let me tell you, I am absolutely convinced that she would have made that decision on a mission field, wherever it was, wherever it would have been, could have been, she would have made that decision. So I knew that she was serious. So that love that Pam had for Jesus, still does, but imagine the love that Christ has for us. Wow. I'm awed and, and just flabbergasted when I think of the, uh, the, the incredible power of, of his love and but I do know this, that isn't it true? Come on, let's be honest. Let's be real vulnerable and transparent here. Isn't it hard sometimes when we do have trouble or calamity, again, disaster, or we're persecuted, or we're hungry, or, or destitute, poor, or somehow our lives are in danger from a disease, or we're threatened with death. Now, this context of this verse obviously is in the New Testament church. It's, it's in a culture that, that we can't comprehend truly because this culture, there was danger of death at every corner. There was danger of persecution around every bend. Uh, there was uh, truly hunger and, and destitution. Uh, there was indeed trouble and calamity at, at, every, at every turn in, in the Christian life for those who followed the way, for those who followed Christ here in the early church, certainly in the Roman Empire, right? I mean, persecution and crucifixion and beatings and feeding to the lions and burning at the stake. I mean, it's just, there's these horrible stories that Nero uh, would take children of Christians, uh, infants and children, toddlers, and he would pour tar now, this is not for the squeamish. I'm about to tell you, it's not for the squeamish, but this is real history and real life. He would, he would cover them in tar. They would not die. He would cover them in hot tar, but, but they would not die. But then he would impale them from the, from the bottom up. He would impale them, not, from, not front to back, but from bottom up. And he would light them on fire. And they would serve as lanterns for his garden parties at night while the mothers and the fathers were there watching as slaves. So, see, we have no context of that kind of persecution. We've got no context of that kind of disaster, that kind of, 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 of madness. But that's the context of this verse. And then Paul has the audacity to say rhetorically, 
can anything ever separate us from the love of Christ? And the resounding answer throughout all of history, we'll see a couple of verses later in verse 37. No, there's nothing, nothing can separate us. Pam taught me that in her own way of that nothing was going to separate her from the love of Christ. How much more, you want to say it again? How much more is the love of Christ non-separable from us? I know in this culture of ours, we really it, it's a struggle. I know it's a struggle bus for so many of us who go through hard times. As a pastor for 26 years, it's I've done my share of funerals for young people and babies and teenagers and, and, and folks who have overdosed that shouldn't be, but should still be living full lives right now. Um, I, I've had my share of cancer diagnoses of people who were healthy one moment and the very next their lives are now shattered. Um, I, I've had my share and then my fill and, and honestly just kind of up to my neck and, and just sick and tired of, of, of folks who, uh, who just are, are, find themselves in situations that you just want to scream, that's not fair. And you know you don't really have to and shouldn't use the fair word in Scripture, but it's just not. Why in the world are good, solid Christian people in such situations where life is just so hard and, and people lose so much? That's, again, a podcast for a different time. You know, why do bad things happen to all people? Not just good, but all people. But here's the point, and here's what Paul is trying to encourage, because see, here's the encouragement, and here's why the encouragement is needed. The love of Christ is the only thing that is dependable. The love of Christ is the only thing that we can bank on. The love of Christ is the only anchor we have in this world. The love of Christ is the only stable thing that we have. And the love of Christ is the only thing that will ever keep us steady and steadfast in the face of trouble and disaster, in the face of real persecution, not not faked persecution or somehow manufactured or fabricated persecution that we do today in this country. That he's the only anchor. That love of Christ is the only anchor when we truly have lost things uh, in our lives where we are truly hungry on the street and destitute and poor. Uh, and, and that love of Christ is the only thing that keeps us encouraged and courageous in danger and yes, even threatened with death. See, it's that love that is constant. It's that love that is supernaturally real in our lives. And I wonder if you know that love. I wonder if you know that love. And I think sometimes we put so much comfort around us, we bubble wrap ourselves. Listen to me. We bubble wrap ourselves in so much comfort. We live in a comfort zone. And you know the problem with living in a comfort zone, besides the fact that that really isn't the Christian way to live, we are to call, we are lit, where to live in a life where we are called to take risks for the kingdom and we're called to, to, to live our lives on edge uh, for, for Christ. But you know the other problem, the real problem with living bubble wrapped is we don't know the love of Christ. Not the way that the early Christians did and not the way I think we're called to. We know the love of Christ because our lives are comfortable. We know the love of Christ because our lives go the way we want them to go. That's not what Paul is saying here. The love of Christ is the real 
driving force it is when we face the trouble, the disaster, the persecution, the hunger, the, the poverty, the danger, the, the threatened with death, that's when the love of Christ becomes real. And that is when we understand, maybe for the first time, the answer to the question, can anything ever separate us from the love of Christ? That's when we say resoundingly with all the saints of the past, with all the martyrs, with all the, the ones who have dealt with this before and have, have had to answer it, we say with a resounding no. Nothing can ever separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Oh, my friends, I hope and pray you know that love. I hope and pray you don't bubble wrap yourself so much that that love is not as felt as Christ wants you to feel it. And I hope and pray that you know without a doubt nothing will separate you from the amazing supernatural love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.